0: Well, good morning, Grace family. Uh, I'm grateful that we once again can come together like this and draw our attention and our hearts towards God in worship this morning. But before we dive in, why don't we just take a moment to personally reflect on what's going on within us right now. What is pressing in on you today? What's going on that might threaten to distract you from what you are about to receive today. And whatever the state of your mind and heart is right now, acknowledge all of that before your Heavenly Father and ask Him to meet you there and provide for you what you need. And then ask Him to give you a receptivity to His voice today. So let's just take some time right now for that. Our great God and Father, we present ourselves before you this morning as your church. We are here to encounter you, that we might know you more deeply, that our hearts and minds might be spiritually transformed according to your work in our lives, and and that we might increasingly provide a living witness to your goodness and beauty. We acknowledge that you know us in every way. You know our sin and all the ways we fall short of your glory. And so we need your gracious forgiveness today as we do every day. We need your strength and power to live lives worthy of the calling to which you have called us. And Lord, we know there is no more important thing than you. The reality of you and our relationship with you should be our utmost desire and priority. So, Father, help us to be people who reflect that. Help us not to muddle through this life preoccupied on things that don't really matter in the end. Help us to have the wisdom to discern what matters most and to give our lives to those pursuits. And in so doing, may we bring hope and refreshment to this world and all those around us. Father, prepare us for the great kingdom struggle to which you have called us into. And whatever opposition and challenge we meet, may we find our strength in you. And now, Father, as we hear from your word, may we be awake to your voice. Lord, whatever may tempt us to distraction right now. Help us to set those things aside that we might pay attention to what you have for us. Lord, I ask that your Spirit would move in our hearts and minds, penetrate us through your Word, that we might live faithfully in it. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.
1: This week, we're moving from the Sermon on the Mount to Matthew 13, which starts the kingdom parables. So let's turn to Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Last week, we closed off jesus great kingdom sermon the sermon on the mount and now today we begin with jesus parables of the kingdom in matthew 13 and we'll see a set of seven parables seven images analogies short stories all trying to invite us into kingdom life and what it's all about and what i'd like to do today is first just talk about jesus use of parables in general And then we'll look at this first parable, the parable of the sower. And I think you'll see that those two things are actually uh, very related to one another. So, you know, most of us are familiar with this parable, the parable of the sower, but we're much less familiar with this really interesting conversation that Jesus has with his disciples right in the middle of this parable uh, that begins in verse 10 when the disciples ask him, why do you speak to people in parables? And I find Jesus' answer very fascinating. And to understand, I think we need to set this in the context of what Jesus has been up to, okay? So he's been at his ministry for some time now, maybe a year, maybe two years, we're not sure. But he's doing two things. He's preaching the message of the kingdom, and he's demonstrating the kingdom through acts of mercy and through forgiveness to sinners and through healings, miracles, exorcisms, all these things. And his ministry is getting mixed reviews. So you have some people who see him and they're all in. They see what he's about. They see what the king was about, and they're committed. They're surrendered, and they are part of his discipleship crowd. But you have another group of people who I would say are, are just in it for the show. You know, they're in it for the, the signs and the wonders. Jesus is this new celebrity rabbi, and they're, they're fascinated by him. But they're not really surrendered to his kingdom. They're just interested in, in what he's doing because it's fascinating. It's a spectacle. And then you have another group of people who are actually directly opposed to him. They're threatened by his message of the kingdom. That's primarily the religious leaders of the day. So you have these this very mixed responses. There's, there's a division of responses to the kingdom. And so Jesus is getting at that in his answer to the disciples. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. This is verse 13. And he goes on to quote two Old Testament passages. First verse 13, this is why I do this, though seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't hear or understand. He's quoting from Deuteronomy and taking his disciples back to the wilderness wanderings of Israel. And what had happened through those 40 years is the Israelites had seen and heard so much from God. they had seen the Red Sea parted. They had seen manna appear in the mornings. They'd seen water come from a rock. rock, And they had heard his voice thunder from Mount Sinai. They'd seen and heard. And yet that hadn't led to genuine surrender and trust and faith and obedience in so many of them. They saw, but they didn't see. They, they heard, but they didn't hear. And then in verse 14, Jesus quotes from Isaiah, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now he fast forwards several hundred years when Israel was in the promised land and they had seen and heard God's faithfulness for hundreds of years. He had protected them. He had spoken to them through the prophets. He had revealed the life that he wanted for them. But for the most part, they would see and hear all this, but it didn't lead to genuine faith. They were worshiping other gods. They were disobedient. They were not engaging in loving justice as he had wanted them. So they heard, but they didn't hear. They saw, but they didn't saw. And Jesus is quoting these things to say to his disciples. This is exactly the same thing that's happening in my ministry. I am going about, I'm proclaiming the kingdom. The Messiah has come. The kingdom is here. And yet people are seeing it and they're not seeing it. They're, they're listening, but they're, they're not listening. And that's why I speak to them in parables, which I think is a very strange thing to, to say. You know, he, he had been speaking plainly for a long time, but his plain speech is getting mixed responses. And so now he's going to speak in parables. And if I were him, I would be tempted to do the opposite. Like, hey, not everyone's understanding this. Maybe I get, need to get even more simple and even more plain. But Jesus does the opposite. No, now I'm going to start speaking in parables. And parables are interesting things. You know, on the one hand, parables are, are simple, and they're very re- re- memorable, right? I mean, and, and Jesus draws from remarkably mundane and simple life experiences in his parables. I mean, in chapter 13, he's going to talk about things like farming, baking, fishing, right? Things, these are not esoteric things for, for the intellectual elite. These are things that the common person can easily understand so they're simple in one way, and yet in another way, they're they're cryptic, right? They, they tell the truth, but they don't do it in a straightforward way. Um, the word parable comes from the Greek, which is parabole, which means to throw alongside. And so what you're doing in a parable is you're speaking some truth by by throwing alongside that truth some story or some analogy or some some image, but you're not telling it straight. You're telling it slant, right? You're, you're revealing truth, but you're also hiding the truth. You're, you're concealing the truth. You're obscuring it even as you reveal it. And a parable, because of that, it requires a certain kind of listening. And that's the whole point, I think. Jesus is saying, I'm speaking in parables because I'm looking for a certain kind of person. I'm looking for a certain kind of listener. My parables are going to confront you. They're going to throw you off a bit. They're going to force you to lean in, to dig in deeper, to ask the second question, to reflect on what is it that he's trying to say. These parables will want to do a work in you. And you'll have to decide, am I going to sit with them long enough to let them do the work that they want to do? And because of that, parables are inherently divisive. Right? They separate the person who just wants to be spoon-fed from the person who, who's willing to lean in and, and do the work. They separate the person from who's just asking the question, you know, what do I get out of this? To asking the question, what is this wanting to get out of me? What is this wanting to do in me? It's divisive. And what's so interesting to me is that Jesus is very willing to let this division take place in his ministry. He doesn't try to get everybody. He's willing to let this division take place. Why? Because he's looking for a specific kind of person. Um, this might be an extreme analogy, but I was thinking, you know, um, I was thinking of military service. So, you know, the offer of military services is offered to pretty much any American with, you know, general health can apply to one of the, you know, to, to military service, but you have to go through boot camp right? And um, boot camp weeds out a lot of people and each branch is perfectly willing to let that weeding out process take place because they're looking for a certain kind of person. There's a certain kind of person that is fit for military service. And it's the same with the kingdom and the parables. Jesus is saying, my kingdom requires a certain kind of person, a certain kind of listener, And so my parables will draw the people that are fit for the kingdom, and they'll weed out the people that are not. And I'm perfectly content with that process, and even entrusts that process to the sovereign work of God in Matthew's gospel. And what I also find interesting is there's this this almost compounding effect to how we listen to Jesus and his teachings. Look at verse 11. He says, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, speaking to his disciples, but not to them, speaking to the crowds. So what Jesus is now doing is he's speaking in parables publicly and then privately he goes off and explains the meaning to his disciples. So there's this compounding effect. The disciples are getting more and more knowledge of the kingdom and the crowds are getting less and less. But the reason that is is because the disciples have already demonstrated themselves to be the kind of people that are fit for the kingdom, right? They've left everything to follow Jesus. They've allowed him to be their king, to dictate the terms. That he's, they're allowing his teaching to do its work. And so they're learning more and more, while people who haven't done that are learning less and less. Look at verse 12. Whoever has will be given more, and they will, be, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them. He's saying this is how the kingdom works. If you listen well, if you submit yourself to it, if you lean in, if you let my teachings do their work in you, it will cumulatively and compoundingly open you up to more and more of my kingdom. And I'll bet all of us have experiences with this, where there's a command of Jesus or a perspective of his, or a truth that he speaks that we struggle with, we wrestle with, but then we finally submit to and give ourselves over to. We find out that when we do that, it truly opens us up to, oh my goodness, you're right. This is the way to life. And then that opens us to receiving more and more from him because we begin to trust him more and more as we walk in this kingdom path. And the opposite is true. If we kind of just listen But don't really listen to him over time we become more and more closed off to him so that god and god's kingdom become smaller and smaller realities in our lives that's how the kingdom works so the point is so take care about how you listen okay so with that let's now look specifically and just very briefly at the parable of the sower because i think The whole point of this specific parable is to say exactly what I just said. Take care how you listen to the message of the kingdom. So let's go back to verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. It's fascinating. Jesus is on a boat speaking to the people, okay? What do people in boats do? <laughs> they fish. And that's precisely what Jesus is doing this moment. He's fishing for people. He's casting the net of the kingdom out and seeing who are the fish that are going to bite, right? Who are going to be in on this? And then he goes into this parable about a farmer who went out to sow seed, which is exactly also what Jesus is doing this moment. He's a farmer sowing seed. In verse 19, we find out um, that, this, that the seed is the message of the kingdom and those who hear the message of the kingdom. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's right. He's spreading, sharing the message of the kingdom. We looked for six weeks on what that message is. We're not going to repeat that now. But you notice is that seed, that message is cast all over the place, right? It's cast on paths, on rocky soil, on thorny soil, and on good soil. It's It's offered to everybody indiscriminately, right? It's universally offered to all all kinds of people on all kinds of soils. And so then that takes us to these four soils. And there's one thing they all have in common, and it's this, they all hear the message. Each time he'll say, this soil is the one who hears it, and then does something, this is one who hears it. So what they have in common is they all hear it, But the difference is they hear it in very different ways. Their listening is fundamentally different from one another. And that is what makes all the difference in the world. There's only one way of hearing that has this, as his image goes, this lasting, growing, transforming fruit about it. Okay, so let's just look very briefly at these four soils. So first, you have the seed sown on the path. These are those, I would say, who hear with a hard heart. Right? Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So this is the person who who hears just with a hardness. Like in a path, there, there is really no soil. The message doesn't penetrate at all. There's no openness to the kingdom message at all. And, and, I'm sure you've had this experience of sharing the gospel, sharing something about your faith with someone, and you can tell they're just like, nah, <laughs> not interested in all at all. And what's interesting, I think, is, is Jesus doesn't lay the blame entirely on that person. He says, hey, there's a, there's a spiritual reality at work, and there's a spiritual enemy, there's Satan. And Satan's at work, the evil one is at work, and he is taking away the message from people's hearts. He reminds us, this is not just a human thing, this is a supernatural thing. So you have those who hear with a hard heart. Then second, you have the rocky soil, which I would call those who hear with a shallow heart. Verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is a, a shallow hearing of the word. It's it's always listening with this kind of question in mind. What can I get out of this? Um, what's this going to do for me? How will this make my life better? And the truth is the kingdom will make our lives better in a lot of ways. So these people, at least initially, receive parts of the kingdom with great joy. But they don't listen with this question. They they just listen with, what can I get out of this? They don't listen with this question. What is the kingdom wanting to get out of me? (laughs) Right, what is is the kingdom wanting to do in me? What is the kingdom requiring of me? What is the cost to getting to to receiving this kingdom? They want the benefits without the cost, without the commitment. And so when the kingdom starts to cost them something, (laughs) When they start to suffer for the kingdom, they're out. They quickly fall away. And then you have the third soil, the thorny soil, which I would describe as those who hear with a crowded heart. Uh, Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the the word, making it unfruitful. These are people here with a crowded heart, with a a busied heart, a a distracted heart, a, a hurried heart, maybe we would say. They think about the kingdom in this sense. They think of it as, here's one more thing that I'm going to add to my life. And they don't realize that the kingdom wants to be the one and only thing in their life. And the kingdom wants to be central and fundamental to their lives. And that the kingdom requires us to clear ground in our lives, to make space, to make room for it, so that it can go deep and it can thrive and flourish and grow. It needs room. And these people aren't willing to make that kind of room. They're not willing to say no to all the other stuff. And so the kingdom never has a chance to really thrive. It gets, as Jesus says, it gets choked out by all the other things. And then fourthly and finally, you have what I would call the receptive soil. Verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. I like how um, Luke's version goes because it adds a little more detail. Let me read from Luke's version in Luke 8.15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. That word retain literally means to to hold fast to, to cling to. So these are people who hold fast to Jesus' words, to cling to it. And then there's that word persevering. There's a, they stick with it. They keep coming back to it, even if it costs them something. That's the kind of hearing that Jesus is looking for. And notice the fruit of that person's life. This this tiny seed has so much power packed in it to produce this ongoing growth and transformation and life in them that you never would have guessed in the first instance just by looking at this little thing. It produces beautiful kingdom life in them. So those are the four soils. And the overarching message is this. Consider well how you listen. So I want to leave us with that message of Jesus this morning. Consider well how we listen to the word, to the message of the kingdom. So I'd like you right now even to consider the different contexts you have for hearing or reading the word. It can be this context right now. It could be when you're gathered in worship here at Grace. It can be as you're listening to it in your car, as you're opening the Word in the morning or at night by yourself. But I want you to consider, how have I been listening to the message of the kingdom lately? How do I engage with the Word? And I'd like to just put up a few questions for us to think through, just just for our own lives, not thinking about someone else, but thinking for ourselves in this season of our lives. How am I listening to God's Word? And each question will connect with one of the soils we just saw. So here's a, here's a question. Here's the first question connected with the first soil. Do I consider my listening a human activity only, or do I invite God's Spirit to guide and shape my listening? Okay, we need to be reminded there's a spiritual enemy, and God has a Spirit that's at work. And so do we take a moment before we listen or read the Word to just pause and actively invite the Spirit? Say, Spirit, I need you to move in my heart and mind. So that I could understand and then submit myself to your word. But apart from your work, this is just going to be a human thing. But it needs to be a supernatural thing to bear true fruit. Here's another question connected with the second soil. Do I listen superficially for what I can get out of it or for what it is wanting to do in me? And I think if we're honest, all of us have our own version of, of wanting to get something right out of time in the Word. For some of us, there there's an emotion. We go to the Word hoping to get an emotion. Like, I, I just want to feel peace. I'm feeling anxiety right now, so I'm going to read the Word hoping that I'm going to get peace, something like that. For some of us, we come more intellectually hoping for some key insight for the day. Others of us are more practical. We, we want to get that little applica- application nugget that we can then take into our day, but I think Deep listening involves something more profound than any of that. It's submitting ourselves and asking ourselves, what is this wanting to do in me? Lord, what are you wanting to do in me? So how are we approaching it? Third question, is my listening hurried, distracted, and crowded, or is it unhurried, deep, and undistracted? You know, am I reading the Bible three minutes before I fall asleep and just kind of reading and then nodding off as I'm going? Um, am I reading in the midst of a hurried, busy moment, or do I actually create the space and time in my schedule and in my mind to pause with the Word? Do I just read through it, or do I find myself lingering on phrases, pausing, meditating, and then asking, what am I being asked to do today? And then finally, fourthly, do I find myself continuing to lean in and hold fast to the Word? So those are some good questions to be asking. And especially as we consider this truth, that there is a compounding effect to how we listen to God's Word over time. To how we give ourselves to God's Word. And when we do that over time, it will open us up to deeper and deeper vistas and avenues and experiences of God's kingdom life. So let's just take a moment of space with the Lord to invite His Spirit to speak into how we are listening to God's Word in this season of our life. So take a moment and just prayerfully consider if there's some change, uh, some direction that you need to take in your relationship with God's Word. And then I'll close that time in prayer. Father, as we consider our relationship with your word, we pray that your spirit would move in us, would inspire us, would encourage us towards a listening that is deep and rich, that perseveres, that submits, that makes room for your kingdom to do its work in our lives. So we invite you to have your way with us in the times that we spend in your word, even this week, Lord. For our good and for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's message and we invite you to consider the reflection questions that we'll put on the screen right now. And let me leave you with this really encouraging prayer of Paul's from Colossians 1. May God fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Amen.